welcome to the Careers by Design podcast. I'm Sharon Belden Castingway, Director of the Gordon Career Center at Wesleyan University. Today I'm speaking with Shawnee Silverberg, MD, Class of 1976. Shani, to start out, let's talk a little bit about your current professional role. So my current professional role is as uh, I'm an endocrinologist, an internist, and I'm a professor of medicine at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. That's my current professional role, and it's also, I am actually on my first job, it, although I've been there for 35 years. <laughs> so it's my current and past professional role and likely to be my only professional role. Okay. Tell me a bit about your childhood. Did you always want to be a doctor? Was that something that you knew at age five or something, or did that come later? So my father actually uh, was a physician, and there is a picture of me lying on the floor of uh, some apartment where I presume he was either a resident or fellow, looking at a medical textbook intently. Uh, the textbook was upside down, which was very clear from <laughs> looking at the at the pictures. And so my husband will say that I always wanted to be a doctor. It, I didn't know about that until uh, late in high school, or and by the but although by the time I came to Wesley and I knew that I was pre med. What was your father's specialty? My father was a pediatrician. Oh, okay. And actually retired as a pediatrician uh, a number of years ago. Could never understand how I could take care of grown-ups um, because they because many of them died. And mm -hmm. I said, well, I couldn't understand how he could take care of children. And the great thing is, within the career within medicine as a career is um, that there are so many different options and so many different ways to do one career. Or, mm -hmm. Were you always interested in science? I always liked science, um, although that's a, I have to qualify that answer. I always loved um, the biological sciences, the life sciences. Everything about them I, I loved. I loved um, uh, human biology. I loved comparative anatomy. I loved all of those things. Um, physics and chemistry, not so much. And in fact, um, uh, physics in particular didn't like me at all. So it's not an unqualified uh, positive answer. Okay. And you said that your thinking started to evolve a bit when you were in high school. Tell me about that. So um, the, the high school I went to had, an, had decent and actually quite strong science, but the history uh, department was staggering. And so um, also I was in uh, high school during the 60s, and it was a very exciting time to be interested in uh, in government and history mm -hmm. and current events. Um, so I actually gravitated in that direction and all of my electives were in that direction. Um, I just happened to be good at science and think it was an interesting thing to do. Um, I also did some volunteer work in, in uh, high school that got me closer uh, to the health sciences. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, um, I'm the oldest of five girls, and um, uh, my father would occasionally take me uh, to make rounds in the hospital, mainly to get me and, and some of my other sisters out of my mother's hair, uh, so that I did have, uh, have some exposure to the life cycle of, mm -hmm. of a physician. What was your perception of the job back then? My interesting question. So my perception of the job was what his job was. So he was an old-fashioned doctor. He would come home occasionally, um, not that often. <laughs> and if he did come home and if we ever saw him in the evening, he would go back out again with his little black bag um, and 
uh, generally not come home until well after midnight and was often gone by the time that I left in the morning. Um, he was acutely aware of uh, how difficult his life was. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, the, uh, the interesting conversations that I had with him at Wesleyan, he rarely called me. Um, uh, I should say nobody had cell phones. There was one, one payphone on each dorm floor. Um, but uh, the few conversations that we had when I was in college and actually had told him that I had planned to be pre-med and go into medicine, he would call me irregularly to say, how can you do this? You will never come home. You will never see your family. You will never this. You will never that. And uh, it took a long time convincing him that um, I had made a decision to go into medicine, but that I was going to do it my way and not his way. Um, I wanted to be a physician. Um, I wanted to combine the study of uh, human biology um, with the caring uh, and compassion that I saw he, him bring to medicine, but not to have that be something that existed to the exclusion of me being able to do anything else. Mm-hmm. What did your mom think of the decision? So my mother was actually pre-med when she and my father met. Um, at that time, uh, in the very early 50s, the idea of having two doctors in a family was completely out of the question. And so when they decided to get married, she became a teacher. Um, but interestingly, uh, around the time that I finished high school, uh, my mother, who had four younger kids at home, went back to school and became a uh, geneticist hmm. and was actually one of the first genetic counselors uh, that existed. The, the field didn't exist. That, uh, so I, there was a, a fairly good um, uh, modeling of uh, uh, interest in, in this type of activity, and she was always very supportive. What was some of the volunteer work you did in high school that got you interested? Um, I uh, was a counselor at a camp for emotionally disturbed children for three years, two years in high school and and one year in college. Um, I also did some volunteer work in laboratory settings. Uh, And uh, my high school, in a fairly forward-looking um, approach does uh, did what many high schools do today. If you took enough AP courses where the exams um, got you done with school early, um, you could spend the next four or five weeks doing something uh, that was deemed to be worthy, and mm-hmm. I actually worked at a hospital. Okay. And why did you decide to attend a liberal arts college? Um, I was being a rebellious, actually. My parents, uh, I'm Canadian, um, my parents moved with uh, us um, from Montreal uh, to New York. Um, they had attended McGill, which was the only, I mean, you either, there were there were two or three uh, colleges or universities and your choice was based on your academic ranking and right. nothing else. Um, and they assumed, uh, and as did I initially, that I would go to a, a large uh, university and um, I visited here. This was the first college or university that I visited um, as a junior with uh, my high school boyfriend who was looking at schools, and I fell in love with it. And I ended up applying early decision. It was uh, rebellious because my parents couldn't had never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. It was uh, not on their. Re- they didn't know much about it, the American college system anyway, but certainly had never heard of this place or 
what was offered at a, at a liberal arts uni uh, university or college. But they went along with it? They did. <laughs> they did. They dropped me off freshman year and picked me up at the end of college. So. <laughs> and tell me a bit about your experience at Wesley and how did your interests evolve while you were here? So one of the great things about being at Wesleyan is, uh, and actually I would, I would posit one of the great things in life is to allow yourself to be open to the serendipity of, of what happens to you. Um, so I came here to be, to be pre-med and be a biology major and all of that was uh, fine and good and that's exactly what I did. But um, first semester of uh, my freshman year, there was a uh, there was for two years in Wesleyan's history, there was a great books course that was required of all students so that everybody in the freshman class was reading the same thing at the same time, taught by um, professors all across the curriculum, much to many of their chagrin, so that I was reading um, some of the Greek uh, tragedies uh, taught by um, a religion professor, as it turned out, Jeremy Zwelling, um, while my roommate was reading the same things taught by a physics professor. Um, her teacher was not as excited or enthusiastic about what he had to do as mine was, but I actually fell in love with uh, Jeremy and how he taught and subsequently took every religion course that I could possibly imagine. So my interests broadened markedly. Um, I if you had asked me to uh, to swear, I would have said I was never going to take a religion course in college. But of course, then it ended up being a huge focus of my attention. So, um, so my academic interests were were relatively broad. Um, I took what I needed to in the sciences and no more. And then other than that, I took a lot of courses in all all across the curriculum. Did your decision to pursue pre med ever waver? No. Never did. Um, my summers uh, while I was in college were also spent um, uh, doing medically related things. Uh, I continued, I actually, my only abroad experience, um, there was no abroad for people who were pre-med then, and, but I did spend a summer working at a um, medical school in Bern, Switzerland, um, which was my experience of Europe, um, and uh, continued to have exposure um, as summer after my junior year, uh, I worked in the Center for Blood Research at Harvard and actually then left Wesleyan a semester early and went back to the Center for Blood Research to do immunology research for my second semester of my senior year. Okay. Tell me about your medical school application process. How did you decide where to apply? What was, your, what was going on in your head at that point? So... Uh, Things were different then. Mm. <laughs> um, we studied for MCATs, sort of. Um, it was not a big thing. There was no such. There may have been preparatory courses. None. No one here at Wesleyan took them. Um, the MCATs were, you know, one Saturday morning, and basically, you know, for a week or two before that, you reviewed the courses that you did first or second year. Um, and then you just went and took them, and whatever your score was on that exam, that was your score. We didn't retake things, mm -hmm. and we just applied. And um, I was a New York State resident. Um, uh, the career counseling, such as it was, the pre-med office said, um, uh, in-state schools give you preference. I applied everywhere uh, in the state of New York, 
um, and a few places outside of the state of New York. My um, uh, boyfriend, who is now my husband, uh, had graduated from Wesleyan before me, and he was applying to business school, so we mm-hmm. picked a couple of strategic cities so we could be together, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, it worked out. He ended up at Columbia, and I ended up at Cornell, both okay. in Manhattan. Okay. And how was your experience at medical school? Was medical school what you expected it was going to be? Pretty much. Um, uh, it was hard. It was um, very, we were very focused, laser-like focus um, on one thing. The wonderful part of medical school it, for me was we were 104 students. Uh, medical school is uh, small, has to be small um, because they have to find place for you on clinical rotations and then also at the time I know that some medical schools are not using we had cadavers so there were a limited number of cadavers and with only four students per cadaver there there was a limit to the size of the class but the 104 of us pretty much rotated through everything uh, together Um, and there was a tremendous amount of camaraderie uh, and um, uh, fellow feeling and class spirit which I, ne- I really never had it at Wesleyan, where um, the interactions were much more across classes based on interest or physical proximity, who you lived with or lived near or got to know. So it was the first time I'd had that kind of experience, and I'm still in close contact with many people I went to medical school today. Did you lose many people that you started out with in medical school? None. None? No, that's not true. Two. Okay, so a very small number, though. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's great. Tell me a bit about how you decided on your specialty. So I, I, uh, I have nine left thumbs, so the idea of doing anything that required me to use my hands was completely out of the question. So I, um, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed everything in terms of all of my clinical clerkships. But I enjoyed the surgical um, specialties the most because I knew I would never have to do them again. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I was really knew that I was deciding between um, uh, the various medical specialties. Um, my brain works. The rest of me doesn't work as well. Um, so I was deciding but it was medicine, pediatrics, neurology. Um, uh, neurology uh, seemed less attractive to me because, especially at the time, Um, The great part of neurology was the wonderful, exciting um, challenge that it was to figure out what part of the brain that was affected. Unfortunately, at that time, there wasn't much you could do once you had figured that out. Um, So there were very few therapeutic levers that could be pulled. And and I guess there was the little part of me that enjoyed the surgeon's ability to fix things. Um, So that sort of fell by the wayside, and then I was deciding between medicine and peds and decided I liked to take care of grown-ups better than kids, um, much to my fa- my father's surprise. Um, my, my quest then continued because uh, we had to pick subspecialties uh, only a year after we started, um, right after medical internship. Now mm-hmm. it's pushed off uh, somewhat. Um, and I, again, had to uh, narrow things down. Uh, these days, there's much more openness to doing general medicine, but then um, virtually 100% of my, uh, my internship class went on to subspecialize. And I basically chose endocrinology for a number of reasons. Number one, it was one of the few 
subspecialties that uh, considered every different organ in this in the body, and I was mm. sort of angry at having to kick out any organs. Um, uh, and endocrine diseases affect everything, so I liked that. And then I also actually liked it because it was one of the specialties within internal medicine uh, that uh, didn't always require middle of the night um, uh, responses and. Uh, it was, I knew that I wanted to have children and many women in medicine at that time were making the decision not to have kids. Um, and I knew that that wasn't a decision that I was interested in. And so finding something that I liked that would allow me to go home was an important thing. So it was a confluence of happy events. Okay. Okay. Uh, how has the availability for funding for research affected your career and how do you see it affecting the career for future medical researchers? So I have been fully NIH funded for over 30 years. Um, that's just not going to happen anymore. Uh, I think that particularly um, in, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm an academic physician. I've been at Columbia my whole career. Um, I did an NIH postdoctoral fellowship in endocrinology and metabolism at Columbia, and then I stayed on, and then I took over as director of that fellowship program. Um, it is extraordinarily difficult for young people to get funded these days. Uh, it was hard and very competitive when I did it as well, but not nearly as much as it, it is now. And it is even harder in the area, in the sub-area of um, uh, research that, that I'm in. I'm a clinical researcher. My clinical research that's getting funded now is, uh, is often on the level of, you know, tissues and cells and organelles. I actually do research on, on whole human beings, um, have always uh, done um, physiology studies uh, on people. Um, and knew that I really only liked to, to do things on people. I tried. I was at the bench for a number of years, and, and I didn't like it. It didn't like me, so it was not a happy um, uh, arrangement. So I have made my, my life and have both a national and international reputation as a clinical researcher, and I, I fear that at least in endocrinology that's becoming ex more and more difficult to do. Um, I'm still uh, uh, funding um, lower junior level and mid-level uh, career people, researchers, because they're having difficulty getting their own mm -hmm. grants, and I'm not going to be doing it for that much longer, so right. it's, it's a big concern. Why did you decide to go into academic research? You alluded to it a bit, but if you could elaborate on it. So, um, it, at the time, uh, if one could stay in academic medicine um, and find uh, a career path, it seemed like a very attractive thing to do. Um, some of the reasons people don't or didn't at the time stay in academia um, uh, had to do with, with um, the fact that it pays really, really poorly. Um, it did then, it does now. And so that, you know, if, if uh, the finances were the main motivation for my decision, um, or if I were the sole supporter of my children, I would not have been able to make that decision. Uh, so I am very lucky because that was not my motivating factor. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to stay at, in a, at a cutting edge institution at the cutting edge of research in the area that I was committed to 
um, and do it in a way that actually also uh, worked well for my, um, not only for my career interests, but also for my family interests. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things about being at a major medical center is that there are interns and there are residents and there are fellows. And although I I still take call and I am on call for the consult service, um, I'm not the first call. So somebody else goes into the hospital in the middle of the night and they call me on the phone. And I'll talk to anybody on the telephone, but I was pretty definite that I didn't want to have to go into the hospital in the middle of the night on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Tell me about your best day on the job. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure that there really was a best day on the job. So the great thing about what I do is that I never, I obviously have a very short attention span. So it, it suits me that I never do the same thing for more than four hours at a time. Um, and I would say that my best days on the job are mm-hmm. days where I see patients because um, despite the fact that I spend a lot of time writing grants and doing research and analyzing things and publishing, um, it still, for me, really very much comes back to the patient and the relationships with the patient. Mm-hmm, so those mm-hmm. days where I see um, people, uh, particularly, um, I'm a big fish in an extremely small pond. It's about the size of my fingernail. Um, <laughs> but I get sent people from all over the world who have very interesting versions of, of a, a particular disease Um, So it is intellectually exciting, Mm -hmm. and I also love being able to figure things out, um, to get to know people, um, to get to know about their families, how their diseases fit into their social situations, and hopefully to be able to help them. And then I like to be able to do teaching, and so my best days are those where I see patients for half a day. Um, I have an opportunity to do mentoring of young people, which is something I really love to do, and uh, get to do a little bit of my own stuff, and then I the and then get to go home and and have life outside of medicine. So those are my best days. It it sounds like you've really kept up your passion for endocrinology over the years. Is that a safe absolutely assumption? Absolutely. Last weekend, I was one of ten thousand endocrinologists in Boston at the Endocrine Society. And my husband <laughs> couldn't believe that there were 10,000 endocrinologists <laughs> in the entire universe. But they were all there, and it was really exciting. That's great. Shani Silverberg, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Careers by Design, The Interviews. Production by Sharon belden Castingway. Music by Andrew Santanello. Interested in designing your own career? Check out our Careers by Design online course, available on iTunes U and the Wesleyan University website.